In two days, the world would be celebrating Valentine's Day. Many women and men, to be fair, look forward to February 14th because they get to spend time with their loved ones, sharing their favorite activities, exchanging gifts, and just upping the love quotient. For many other women who struggled with childhood trauma, especially when that trauma was formed in a close relationship, Valentine's Day can be filled with triggers and unwanted feelings of sadness, loneliness, shame, fear, or even anger. My sister, if you are dreading Valentine's Day, I hope this episode supports you and blesses you as I will share some strategies on how to move through this event with emotional balance. Hey, sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. Do you want to overcome the wounds and impacts of childhood trauma that are holding you back in life? Do you want to get unstuck, begin thriving, and confidently living God's best in all areas? I'm Jenny L, a certified clinical trauma specialist, life coach, trauma thriver, and most of all, a daughter of God living loved and on purpose. In this podcast, I'll share trauma education, healing strategies along with biblical applications and motivational stories to support you in your journey toward trauma healing and thriving. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's begin. I must admit, I have mixed emotions about Valentine's Day. On the one hand, I grew up hearing that Valentine's Day is a pagan holiday and Christians should avoid it because of its origins. Then I see the whole commercialization of it and the pressure that some people go through to get it right at this specific time because the world dubbed that day the day of love. I mean, what happened to the rest of the year, right? On the other hand, I love celebrating love and I don't limit or restrict this to a day in February, but I do enjoy seeing all the reminders that love is in the air. I find it interesting though that in last week's episode, I talked about February being dubbed the month that focuses on boosting self-esteem. I find it really curious that these two events are happening in the same month and I have to unpack what that connection is, what the implications are, if any, but I digress. For many women who have experienced childhood trauma, Valentine's Day can be emotionally tough. Whether they celebrate it or not, whether they're in a relationship or not, the season can be challenging. You see, triggers can happen at any time or anywhere because maybe the trauma occurred around Valentine's Day or perhaps All of the love talk and displays remind them of the original event and the hurt they experienced in a close relationship, which impacted how they learned about love or experienced love, so much so that now they don't know how to have a healthy love relationship. So there's pain surrounding the whole idea of what love looks like. As a reminder, when I say a close relationship, I'm talking about any relationship in a child's formative years and up to the age of 18 with a caregiver or an adult carer, parent, etc. Because those are the years used to define when trauma, childhood trauma occurs. Triggers show up like intrusive thoughts. It could be disturbing memories or images. Some people experience flashbacks or nightmares and even have physiological and emotional reactions. And all of these remind a person of the trauma 
and can set off trauma reactions like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn responses. Valentine's season is also a busy time. People are out shopping for presents, they're having dates, and people are mostly happy. There are ways that people mark the event at work, or even if you work from home, I see now that some companies are getting more creative about hosting Zoom events to celebrate the day or the week with their colleagues. All or any of these can produce triggers. It could be the people, situation, places, the time, or different objects connected to the relational hurt the person experienced when they were younger. The other part of it is that survivors of childhood trauma may still be yearning for the love and care that they did not get in their early lives, and they find their wounded inner child is very vulnerable at this time. For women in this struggle, you may also notice changes in your sleep pattern or maybe your eating habits begin to look a bit different. Some people end up eating more, some binge eat, some restrict eating. You may notice an increase in coping mechanisms. Some people turn to substances, some watch more TV, some really get into work and begin working long hours. Some notice that they withdraw socially because they find themselves isolating more or they find it harder to meet all of their personal responsibilities because they just don't feel right. Some women start displaying intense emotions while others pretend they're totally fine and disinterested in the holiday so they don't have to deal with any distressing feelings or emotions that are coming up. Other ways of dealing are women can tend to ruminate on the day and their mind just wouldn't shut off. We tend to talk a lot about the sadness and loneliness that surrounds Valentine's Day, but not much is said about childhood trauma or even post-traumatic stress. But it's worth noting how this can show up and impact childhood trauma survivors around Valentine's Day. Maybe you are not concerned with the effects I just mentioned, but it's good to know what some of your sisters may be going through. And if you have a friend who experienced childhood trauma and you suspect this may be a concern for her, check in with her and find out how you can support her over the Valentine's season. It is a time when love is celebrated, right? And we can certainly celebrate not just romantic love, but love for our family and for our friends. If you do struggle to get through the Valentine's season, and I call it a season because honestly, as soon as the new year has passed, we see shops begin promoting Valentine's items. So the visual reminder starts all the way in January. If you experience triggers during the season, I hope that these tips would support you. So the tip number one is to notice your triggers and how you respond to them. I've talked on this podcast about how triggers come via the senses, something you see, hear, smell, taste, or touch. This thing would be similar to what occurred when the original trauma happens and the brain interprets that as you are not safe and you need to be protected because the brain is telling itself that history is repeating yourself. You weren't safe the first time and it doesn't want you to get hurt now. This process activates the trauma response so automatically that you may go into a trauma response, the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, before you even have time to think and process what is happening. 
When you get to know your triggers and how your body responds to it, you can use regulating exercises like I mentioned in episodes 9 and 10 to stay calm so your executive and decision-making functions stay engaged and allow you to make rational choices about how to support yourself. Which brings me to the second tip, support is key. We are relational creatures and we are healed through relational attachment. Obviously, if you've been wounded in a relationship, it will be hard for you to trust others. I get that and I don't discount your experience. Do what you are comfortable with and what helps you feel safe. My suggestion is, as part of getting through the love season, try reaching out to someone you do trust to support and encourage you. You can arrange to do activities with them that do not have to be on February 14th, by the way. If no one comes to mind, think about getting a pet or visiting someone who has a pet where you can get support from some form of relational connection. Tip number three. It is always good to have the number of a hotline close by if you need immediate support at a time when no one is around. I acknowledge that for many people of color, there is some fear attached to how or if the police would get involved when you make a call to a hotline. I understand that. Again, do what is safe for you and move based on where your comfort level is. I am listing it as an option, but you can also find out about prayer lines or you can feel safe maybe contacting a charity that offers phone support to people struggling with emotional challenges. Tip number four, right after that one, is to seek therapy. There are Christian counselors and therapists across North America who can help. I'm not sure what it looks like in other countries. I know in some Caribbean islands, for example, there is still a stigma around seeking help from a mental health professional. Or maybe there are professionals, but they're not easily accessible or maybe not affordable. Some other options in this case would be to look for online support groups or coaching that can be accessed virtually from different parts of the world. Tip number five, obviously I have to stress taking your pain, your emotions and your triggers to God. I do hope that you know what it's like to experience the God of comfort, the lover of your soul, or at least you're getting to know him in that way. I said we are relational creatures and yes, we do need other people in our lives and more so we need a relationship with God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but the deepest comfort I've ever experienced is with God and then with people who truly represent what God is like. When you begin to feel triggered by what is happening around you, yes, seek human support and connect with pets and so forth, but don't leave God out. Find your way to communicate with God. Tell him how you feel. Whether you read scriptures of laments, you journal, you pray, you find songs that express how you feel or whatever you choose. Share your experience with God and take time to be still and let God minister to your pain. I know that God is great at taking care of those he loves. I've experienced seasons of sadness where I cried out to God. I had gotten to the point of wanting to go to God first. When I cried out to God, he would either minister to me, give me that feeling of comfort, 
or he would send people to support me. They would either reach out to me via text message, a phone call, or a visit. God knows exactly what you need. He knows how to meet your needs and heal your wounds. So get into the habit of going to him with everything that you experience. The final tip I want to leave you with is to up your care. Put your needs first for this season. And I don't mean from a place of selfishness. I am all about serving others in a healthy way. We need to take care of ourselves in order to be healthy. What I mean is noticing the season that you're in because you may not be able to give as much of yourself as you usually do because you're dealing with triggers brought on by the love season. You're battling different emotions and things that are coming up for you that is maybe depleting your energy or diverting your attention. It is okay to step back a bit and redistribute your resources to take care of yourself until you can return to your regular balance. Think of it this way. Usually anyone has this emotional capacity. Let's say you're running with your emotional bucket filled 90 to 100% of the time. But because of what's going on in this season, your energy levels and your reserves has dropped to around 50 to 60% because it's taking a lot more to process all of the emotions and the physiological, even physical effects that the triggers are having on you. Your capacity is now at 50 to 60%, but you still have 100% of your regular activities to do. And you cannot function giving 50, 60% and meeting 100% of what you normally have to do. Some things and some commitments will have to be paused And you get to choose how you allocate the energy resources, the emotional capacity that you do have in a way that supports you best for this temporary season. You can use that time to rebuild your resources and take care of yourself. Watch your favorite movie, read a book, go to the spa, get a treat, connect in a way that is meaningful to you in a way that is life-giving, that's replenishing, and let go of any guilt you might have around not getting all the things done. You have to be kind to yourself. Remind yourself, I am doing the best that I can with the resources I have until I have more to give, and that's okay. I am okay. All right, my friend, you now have six strategies to take away and choose from as you move through this season of love. I like to say we live in an information age. Getting information is not as big a problem as implementing the information with consistency. Whatever you choose to implement, do it consistently to build this lasting habit and find a support system that can help you not just for this month, but for the rest of the year and throughout your entire life. And I know it might sound a bit daunting to think about the rest of the year or an entire life. So start day by day. What are you going to do to help support you from today? And take consistent action today, then get up tomorrow, do the same thing again, and the following day, rinse and repeat. That is how we build consistency in our actions. If you are looking for additional support, 
Let me extend the invitation to you again to join us in the Facebook community, Heal Childhood Trauma as Christian Women of Color. In that community, you can share about what you're committing to. You can share as much or as little as you want and seek the type of support that you need. I also invite you to sign up to become a Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast Insider at subscribepage.io forward slash sdh podcast. When you're an insider, you will receive inspirational emails every week. And as things develop and the podcast grows, you will have first access to these developments as they unfold. Once again, the link to sign up is subscribepage.io forward slash sth podcast. I've placed both links in the show notes as per usual. And finally, good old email support at shadesoftraumahealing.com. Send me your email, your thoughts, your feedback, and I would be happy to connect with you. So I look forward to seeing you again next week. Whatever happens on Valentine's Day, know that you are loved. You have a God who loves you with an everlasting love. He says he calls you by name. He cares about everything that concerns you, whatever you're going through, because he even collects every tear you cry in his bottle. He loved you so much that he gave his life so that you can be saved, so that you can then have eternal relationship with him. I pray that whether you're married, single, engaged in or out of relationship, you would understand and experience that kind of love because it trumps and supersedes and goes deeper than any other love we could ever experience because it never goes away. No matter what we do, who we are, where we've been, what we've experienced, God's love for you remains the same. I hope you receive it, you experience it, and you flourish in it. Okay, my friends, I'll see you next week. Be blessed. Before you go, sister friend, did this podcast episode encourage, inspire, or teach you something new? If so, would you be so kind as to share it with another friend who needs help to overcome her childhood trauma? And don't forget to hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a written review for the show. This way, the show can reach more sisters who need to hear it. Thank you for listening and know that I am cheering for your healing. I'll be back next week. So until then, take time to breathe and be blessed.